0: I.V.M. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Triangle of Fans. I'm Munish and as always I'm joined by Nishant. What a fun day in the NBA. The Wizards moving one step closer to elimination. The Knicks pulling one back against the Hawks. And the Utah Jazz pulling out a much much needed win against the Memphis Grizzlies. And bringing some sanity back into the Western Conference which saw the lower seeds prevailing until now. <laughs> we'll talk about all of these games today. Uh, we'll start off with the Wizards and the 76ers because we don't have much to talk about them. The Wizards are going home pretty soon. But uh, Ben Simmons, he showed up today finally after getting some criticism in the first game for not scoring enough points. You know what? He had a brilliant first game. He scored, he got 15 yeah. rebounds and 15 assists, but he was subject to unfair criticism, I would say, because he just scored six points. He turned up today. He from the get go, he went. He, he got eleven in the first quarter itself, and he finished with twenty two points. This is without him playing in the fourth quarter. He rested the entire fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, you saw Doc Rivers come to his uh, come to his uh, defense after he was subject to criticism by the fans. He's saying like, you don't know the value in Ben Simmons that yep. Ben Simmons provides to the franchise and how great of a player he is. This series is. M- more or less done. I mean, it's not too much trouble. I think the Philly will finish it in two more games. Yeah. But now the games get tougher from here. Uh, ben Simmons not scoring as many points. Is that actually too much of a concern? You know that he doesn't attempt threes at all. But even his scoring has gone down this season. But is that actually a concern given the way that Joel Embiid is scoring and Tobias Harris has taken a bunch uh, a load of the scoring as well?
1: Uh, no, I I think there's some kind of <clears throat> the way the league has evolved there's uh an an inbuilt hatred for players that don't shoot it very well unless they're exceptional at, at either scoring or like you've got to be is good at scoring mm-hmm. uh to be let off for not being a, a great shooter um which is which kind of explains why there was so much hate for gobert's contract also um nobody looks at defensive contribution nobody looks at the multiple dpo eyes, he's picked up or um uh, the value he adds on their offense with all that, because Utah have have taken pick and rolls and screens to another level. They yeah. they said double triple screens, uh, taking out three defenders at a time and leaving somebody open to roll to the rim. It's it's insane. And Gobert's an integral part of all of that. Uh, not to mention his leadership, locker room presence. But all of that gets overlooked because you, how can you pay so much money to somebody who doesn't score 25 every night? It's it's right. just it, it's. It blows people's minds. And who doesn't shoot it? Uh, we're not far from the day where we say he's seven feet tall, but he doesn't shoot the three. I mean, what good is he <laughs> in the NBA, right? We've kind of flipped, flipped the table. So so Ben Simmons gets a bit of that uh, irrational hate. First of all, forget forget his offense. Forget the rebounds and the, and the playmaking where he, he is truly elite. He's, for me, the best defensive guard in the game. Mm-hmm. Kawhi Paul George all of these guys have, have waned a that, yeah. bit yeah yeah, all of them have waned a bit he is hands down the best defensive he is locked down on defense in fact if they play the Brooklyn Nets I'm looking at Ben Simmons and only Ben Simmons to shut down whoever it is is, is running their offense and you, most probably it'll have to be James Harden because mm-hmm. that's the brains of the uh, Brooklyn Nets offense right so so that gets overlooked then there's okay he doesn't shoot it very well great can we move past that he's, he's one of a few elite players who's not really a shooter um, go back a few eras, this is pretty much what Magic Johnson did. I mean, he could go off, he can score uh, when he yep. needs to, but he was primarily a facilitator and a triple-double machine. But machine meant something else back then, but I mean, <laughs> no, this is pre-Russell Westbrook, but uh, um, I, I see a lot of that in in Ben Simmons' game. And if you remember, uh, two seasons ago, and even last season, whenever Embiid was out for lengthy stretches of time Ben Simmons mm-hmm. used to be a monster on offense he used to go off right, right? he used to go they, they, he dropped 42 and 10 i think on the lakers yep. picked up a win against a full yep. strength lakers um so it's not like he can't do it once he goes on a rack attack it's it's tough to stop him in the paint um the way the 76ers offense has been built not just by Doc Rivers even by coaches that came before him it's all embiid centric it revolves right. around embiid and it has Simmons as the uh, as the main playmaker. That's what he does. He's, he's playing a role. Um, I would understand if you've never seen him take off, even in Embiid's absence, if you think he really can't score, then the hate is justified. If they're picking up wins and he's giving you 15 rebounds and 15 assists, what exactly is the problem here? <laughs> so and I think it's it's ridiculously irrational. And he's shutting down the other team's offense. That part gets easily overlooked. He's worth I every penny and and I've, in fact, I didn't didn't I go so far as to say if I were the 76ers and this was last season before they made it work mm-hmm. with the coaching change, I said if you're keeping the coach and if you have to make a move and you decide Embiid, Embiid and Simmons just doesn't work, mm-hmm. I'd actually trade Embiid. That's what I said last yeah. season because he has yep. fitness concerns all the time. He's spectacular when he plays but he has fitness concerns all the time and you can get a ton of talent. If you trade Embiid, which True. you might not get if you trade Simmons. You can build an entire True. squad around uh, that Embiid trade using some of the True. draft picks that you'll get and the players you get in return. So, I'm a big fan. I think the hate is irrational. Makes no sense. Um, Doc Rivers is right. And he's been defending him all season. Right from day yep. one, he's been doing that. Doctor versus
0: Yep. Yep. I, I totally remember when the James Harden rumors were going on and they yeah. said that Ben Simmons might be traded. He was like, no, I'm not trading Ben Simmons for James Harden. And right. He's stuck by it, and it shows. I mean, Ben Simmons is as valuable as Embiid, I would say. Uh, Embiid might get you all the numbers. He might be the big center that uh, the defenders are scared of, but Ben Simmons is as important to this Philadelphia franchise as Embiid. Uh, Embiid didn't have a bad night himself, 22.7 rebounds. The 76ers are 5-0 against the Wizards this season. Uh, No chance for the Wizards, right? Or am I wrong in thinking that, that Russell Westbrook might make one last push at it and just snatch a game?
1: I don't even. I don't even think they'll snatch a game I feel, feel you would really have to I mean look at today they most of the fourth quarter they were just chilling Ben Simmons didn't play yeah. a bunch of players and and they picked up a comfortable blowout win uh with I'll have to check but I don't remember any of the big guns crossing 30 minutes of play it was all 26 right. 28 minutes and right. so on so um this is easy for them this is a cakewalk and uh, they should thank their lucky stars because they they're getting to conserve a lot of energy for for the cool. later rounds that the Wizards came through. I don't think it would have been this easy had the Pacers come through with Levert and everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, they got lucky. They got lucky that in a one and done, uh, Westbrook came through and the the Wizards toppled the Pacers.
0: Absolutely. The one series that is not a cakewalk is the Knicks versus the Hawks. What an amazing series that is turning out to be. The Knicks were down by 13 at the end of the half or at the start of the third quarter. And then they made a 30-8 to run. That kind of sealed the game I must say this was pretty bad coaching from Atlanta Hawks because uh, Nate McMillan didn't really make changes. Treyang was on the bench, and when you saw Knicks making that big push and get the lead, yeah, no, I thought Trae Young should have been much, much in, much, much earlier. But mm-hmm. he sat on the bench while he saw his tra- team trail, be- trail, and then by the time he was back, they were already down by ten, and it was a little too much to do at the end of the game, and that kind of sealed it for the Knicks. Yeah. Uh I'm looking at Nate McMillan's record it's not pretty impressive. He goes to the playoffs and then he gets swept like three times in the last 4 years with the Indiana Pacers. Uh there was one series with the Cleveland Cavs where he took them to 7. Yeah. But that was about it. Every other series he's got swept by uh, in the first round itself. Even in the franchises before when he was in Portland right. he got swept in the first round. So uh much, anything of concern your at Atlanta Hawks? I mean they've never this coach has never gone to the second round <laughs> long long
1: time. Yeah, I, I mean, they can't complain. This coach coaches also, there are tiers of coaches in the leagues. There's there's the big league coaches that have won chips before, like your Taiju yep. and your uh, Doc Rivers and so on. and so Vogel now is on that list. Um, then there are mid-tier coaches that, like your Tom Thibodeau and, and the like, that can mm-hmm. take over a franchise and really turn the tide for them. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed Eric Spolster also in that top tier. Uh, but then there's folks like Tom Thibodeau that come in and kind of make sweeping changes and you can you can put in all of the other, you can put your Nick Noss in there, you can put um, a bunch of coaches, right? Now, then there's the third tier, which is still making their name, um, haven't yet proven themselves as playoff caliber coaches, or championing coaches, but, but they have their value. Um, they're good at nurturing young squads, mentoring young talent, getting them into NBA shape, stuff like that. I think he comes into that bucket. I don't think... I'm not saying mm-hmm. he can't make the leap, but thus far he's been in that category, um, and and it's why I don't think Atlanta can really complain because before this season, before Trey Young and and the crew willed yeah. themselves into the playoffs, um, was that really even a top twenty dream job in the league? No, not not right. really. And this league has only thirty teams, so it's not it's not really. That's <laughs> it's not saying much when when you even make the top twenty. Um, uh, so they get what they deserve. Uh, this is a good showcase, should they want a coaching change, I think this squad is now quite lucrative for someone to come in and, and say, okay, I can whip them into shape, like how Thibodeau did for New York. Absolutely. This would be a, an easier restoration project than New York. In fact, New York, the Knicks' uh, resurrection has been quite remarkable. Atlanta is quite a few steps ahead of where New York was before mm-hmm. Thibodeau came in. So, uh, so I think they're they're there now, they're at the cusp, they need that one one change maybe a couple of personnel changes in the in the squad and they're good to go which might just happen because Collins uh it's a contract year coming up he might just leave unless Mm -hmm. they they give him a fat payday uh so a little bit of rebuild maybe a coaching change but but right now I mean they get what they deserve not a great coaching uh, not a great coach uh, in charge uh and it showed because I thought the third quarter I I took a break after the at halftime I stepped away from from the screen I was doing something I came back and and I thought, where did where did the where did the lead go? And then the Knicks kept pulling away. Yep. Um. And there was no Treyang throughout, which is okay. But do you have another plan? Do you have a plan B? Is there something you're doing to stop? There were no adjustments made. And when you bring on Trae Young, it's obviously not to defend; it's to counter some of that scoring. Right. So maybe that's where he was coming from. That the Knicks were on a on a roll, absolute juggernaut, and bringing Treyang is a further defensive liability. Maybe he just didn't feel the offense was, was good enough and right now the job was to control the offense. Whatever it was, wasn't a very great call because the third yeah. quarter kind of settled the game and then it was uh, it was too too wide a gap for, for Atlanta to bridge. But learning curve, part of the process, uh, they come back, the next games go to Atlanta, right? Two games in Atlanta. Yeah. As yeah. I learned yesterday, the series format is now 2-1, <laughs> so... I mean, that should be interesting. Atlanta's crowd yes. is loud too. It's, it's a, not yeah, like, Treyang. Yeah. Young
0: did have a message for the uh, in, MSG yeah, yeah. crowd. He said, like, see you in the air. And it's going to be a fun. I, I love this Treyang guy. I mean, he's standing up against the most vicious crowd in the yeah. entire league and getting good points as well. I mean, he's earned the respect, I would say. He's got 35 and 30 in two games despite the one loss. That's pretty good for a start to the playoff.
1: Yeah, it's a huge show of respect when all of MSG sets out to to wear you down for four quarters. Uh, from the tip off it shows yep. how important you are they're not going to do that for anyone they're, they're not going to show up like that and uh, start jeering if you're Joe Ingalls uh, suiting up for the jazz sorry <laughs> Joe Ingles. But, uh so that that in itself is a show of respect and he's a feisty little guy uh, Trey Young um, he's been fighting against it's a, it's a bit like Lillard it's a lot like Dame mm-hmm. Lillard um, mm-hmm. Dame Lillard was lighting up high school leagues and college leagues I watched a documentary on him and, uh, and he was hitting logo threes even back then uh, mm-hmm. And he was a winner, he was a true winner and a scorer. And uh, the story goes, he wasn't a very um, top tier, I, I know he still got a pretty high draft pick, but he could have been like a top three pick in the draft. Like if you mm-hmm. redo that draft today, he's probably yep. number one or number two or whatever, right? So yep. um, w- why he didn't get it, and, and again, shades of Steph Curry here too, is basically A, the physique, the build, they thought he's too small to play a mm-hmm. scoring guard's role um, at his height. They said, okay, this guy is not going to be a very good scoring guard in the NBA. At his height, we're looking more at, and this is a traditional thinking mindset, right? And they said, um, at his height and size, we would expect him to be a good playmaker, but this guy has no assists. That's Mm -hmm. mainly because his team required him to be a scorer, put the ball in his hands and, and get the win. And so he was kind of undervalued as a draft pick. And right. and Trey, uh, and so he fought against that all his life. That's kind of why he wears a zero damn Lillard because that's mm-hmm. the number of people that believed in it in him. As he as he <laughs> says, and Trey Young's a bit similar, uh, undersized even more so than Lillard. Pretty much right. wherever he goes, league, even in street courts, I'm sure he's the smallest guy on the court. Um, and and so maybe it's it's some kind of overcompensating all the trickery he does, all those nutmegs, uh, kind of really yep. owning that size and saying, okay, you're that tall, I'm gonna go under your legs. Um, and, uh, and he's been a feisty guy fighting against the odds all the time and this is no different but it, it's just another level to do it in uh, at the Garden and I'm sure he's on the respect of many not just the
0: Garden fans Absolutely and how good it is to see Derek Rose put up those numbers yet again in a playoff series it's 26 points again leading the team when Julius Randle actually had a pretty ordinary night yeah. he was he was uh, two points at the end of the half and I thought there's another bad game for Randle he kind of made up for it in the third quarter but Derek Rose was leading that offense and he was a guy who got
1: them the win. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, first of all, Randall's shooting has been way off. It was even worse in yeah. Game 1 and then Game 2. Kind of, yeah, uh, Even those points that he did get and whatever he picked up in the third quarter and so on. I thought a lot of that was just New York forcing the issue. Just getting him the ball, trying to, just yeah. willing him on to get some points and get him going. Um, it would probably have been a wider margin of victory also if they, if they hadn't done that and just went to whoever had the hot hand like a bullock who was knocking down the three. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where, and I know we'll talk about the Utah Jazz later, right? It's one of those things where um, the law of averages kind of catches up with you. You can only go so many games being this bad when you're uh, someone like Julius Handel, who's had a great season. Um, Couple of off nights, good that they got the win today. And and what I like about him is he doesn't let up anywhere else when he's uh, having an off-shooting night. His defense, that hustle doesn't go away. He's pounding the glass both ends of the floor. Um, I, I like this team, I think. I think their grit and discipline is what stands out. They're not nowhere close to the same level, but they remind me of the uh, uh the 04 Detroit Pistons that mm-hmm. that took down the Lakers. Um it's it, it's a similar approach to the game with the with the defensive grit and, and uh just just intensity on on both ends of the floor.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I, I like the way that they slow down the game and they kind of make it boring. Yeah. If there's no crowd, it's, it would have been an absolutely boring game because they play at such a slow pace that you would, it would put you to sleep, but the crowd make kind of makes up for it. But they they know how to play the way they know how to slow down their opponents. That kind of works for them. Yeah. And it's worked for them the entire season. We should talk about the Jazz now because uh, in the first game, they shot 12 out of 47 from three. Uh... In the first quarter itself, they got seven threes. Yep. We we saw this coming. We saw that the law yeah. of averages will catch up. Donovan Mitchell was back. He scored five threes himself. Joe Ingles got a few shots going. And then it was Jazz running away with the win. But they're facing the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, this is a young team that refuses to go away. They had a... The Jazz had a 20-point lead at halftime. And... Like you, I missed a uh, part of the third quarter mm. and when I came back and it like was down to three, I'm yeah. like, whoa, this is a game to watch and then the Jazz kind of ran away with it yeah. at the end again, but pretty good game and I don't think they have it easy when they travel to Memphis now.
1: No, not at all, but uh, but I think we're beginning to see uh, the best record in the league. You're beginning to see why in the playoffs and uh, you're right, the law of averages, as you said, did catch up and they had a great three-shooting night, which... Became the difference eventually. Yeah, we can talk yep. about play styles and tactics and, and the matchups, but but ultimately um the uh the Jazz were able to match the Grizzlies in points in the paint. There's hardly like two or three points in it, and then far outshoot them from three. Uh last I checked, there's not much in between except the mid-range where nobody shoots anywhere. So <laughs> uh it's like since the modern day NBA there's that, that entire if you put a heat map of shots taken you'll find an entire empty curve between the yeah. three point arc and, and the paint and the key um so now now to the style uh, play styles and the and the tactics and all this so clearly the three shooting showed up that created the cushion and they were and if you look at the scores it would appear that neither team was playing defense these are all star game uh, right. totals uh, 140 something 129. Uh, But actually, I thought the Jazz did pretty well on defense. I think the Memphis offense was They were amazing. I mean,
0: I think Rudy Gobert is one of the, like you said at the start of the episode, Rudy Gobert is probably one of the most underrated stars. He's won two Defensive Player of the Year awards. He's on course to win his third. Three, yeah. yeah. And people don't talk about him when you select an All-NBA team. He's hardly there. He hardly makes the All-Star game. It's, it's tough to get a shot against Rudy Kobe just because yeah. of his height. And then he knows how to defend. It's not like he doesn't know. It's not just the height like posing is, right? He knows how Correct. to defend. Yeah. He got four incredible blocks today, including... being jamuran tried to embarrass him by putting on a poster. He just denied him He does
1: every time, by the way. Every time they face <laughs> off, Jamorant goes... Uh, first of all, Jamorant in two years has racked up... I, I, let me figure out how to phrase this. These are dunk attempts and he's made none of them. He's narrowly missed each of them, either got blocked or hit the rim and it bounced out or one thing or the other. Uh, but each of those attempts, and he's had more of these than most players will have in their entire career, where any one of them goes in, it's the greatest dunk ever scored in the history of basketball, right? And he does that all the time. Every time they face off, he's trying to embarrass uh, Gobert. One of these days, he'll do it. I mean, he has a seven-game series to try and do it. But uh, but yeah, I think Gobert, it's, it's not just... So Gobert, of course, is the bedrock of their defense. But... Yeah. This, they played that, uh, so more and more you see NBA teams playing the 3-2 zone, the, mm-hmm. the zone defense, right? And uh, last season, Miami did that exceptionally well, except until they ran into LeBron and he just picked it apart. But um, these guys did that today too, um, Utah. And I thought they did that exceptionally well because uh, look at the number of points that Jamaran scored on just mm-hmm. pure isolation plays. No support right. whatsoever, drive into the paint, tough fade away. Uh, acrobatic finish under the rim, all yep. of those are signs of great defense. First, they shut down any pick-and-roll opportunities. They shut down any right. slashers and, uh, and spacing monsters. Forcing Jamurant and whoever else is holding the ball, even Brooks had a bunch of isolation plays. whoever's yep. holding the ball to go into iso mode. And in iso mode, you'll take your chances because the probability is always on the defense's side. Mm-hmm. And even then, credit to Jamurant for, despite all this getting the number of points that he did, but totally. all of those were contested shots. On another night, a bunch of them won't go in. And, and the, oh. the margin would be much wider. They were contested shots. He had to do ridiculous acrobatic shots. He had to um, invent and invent. in it. someday you're going to run out. On off nights, that's not going to work. I mean, he played at the height yep. of his pass. And the Jazz still right. came away with a big win. right? And and that's because it's Jamurand. Everyone else was shut down by this defense. Yep. So uh, I, I thought the Jazz defense was exceptionally good. And over and above their three-shooting. Which is a bunch of these players are automatic when they get going. It's just it's a hot hand and there's no stopping them. Conley, Bogdanovich, this right. uh, is the list goes on. John Clarkson, everyone pulls up. Mitchell was hitting tough uh, contested Ingles, shots. Ingles, you go.
0: Forget Ingles, probably the best. What
1: is top four three-point shooter yeah, the season? Yeah, the percentage wise, sure. Right? If I go, he's got a
0: bunch of them. It's not like a low denominator. Yeah. He's got a bunch of them. He's alright. I
1: don't know. Ingles and Bogdanovich. These are the kind of players where you look at them on the court and you wonder if they really belong on that court. They just <laughs> look like this random uncles that showed up at a YMCA local YMCA to play. <laughs> And then especially Engels at least, is a three-shooter, right? Bogdanovich uh, scores inside and out. He can right. uh, punish you in the low post. And he's got moves, man, but you don't you don't expect it looking at him. Anyway, so uh, what was really impressive was they they brought out their full offensive arsenal, uh, the Jazz. So it wasn't just uh, pick and roll, pull up, jump shot three, or uh, yep. load one side, find an open man, draw the double team, get the ball to him. It was one step beyond these players, and that's what I love about these guys. They remind me a bit of the Spurs, uh, Tim mm-hmm. Duncan Spurs, which is uh, they they come up with all these um, innovations in on offense. Uh, they they set staggered screens as they call it, right? Where, mm-hmm. where it's like a screen is when a big man comes up or or whoever comes up and and creates a barrier. The guy holding right. the ball runs around the barrier, and the defender who's trying to follow him, his path is naturally blocked by the screen, right? Mm-hmm. What happens then? Either the defender goes around the screen or under. Or some other guy has to take over and switch onto the guy holding yeah. the ball. A staggered screen is where you set a screen against that too. So the second guy is also screened. <laughs> and now there's either a third defender that has to come in or you're open. So they do these staggered screens and they're incredible. They they do a staggered screen. So now two defenders are taken out of the game. A third guy has to switch onto, say, John, Donovan Mitchell or mm-hmm. whoever's holding the ball. And then what happens is one of the guys setting the screen, usually Gobert, takes advantage of this, rolls back to the rim. And so right. now there's like three guys on the perimeter. It's an open pass, easy dunk, boom. It's so clean. And it happens like that. You've really got to pay attention to catch it. It happens in a flash. And they have so many of their uh, of these moves, which you normally only see the elite teams pull off. Uh, yep. Which I guess they're elite now, huh? Uh,
0: yeah, they are. I mean, topping the Western Conference, yeah. no mean uh, no mean achievement. How good was jamuran today? 47 points. Now in, in his two first first pl- two. First two playoff games of his career, he scored 81 points. That's more than anyone else in the first two games. Luka Doncic had 70 last season and we raved about it for the entire year. Ja Morant has 81 in two games. How incredible is that?
1: I'll tell you what, it reminds me of Jordan's first, uh, when Mm -hmm. he went off against the Celtics, Mm -hmm. the big four Celtics. Larry Bird and the whole nine yards. And uh, what was it that Bird said? Jesus in sneakers. Uh, that yeah. was God on the basketball court. Uh, I'm not saying this is yeah, Jordan. No, maybe he is. Who the hell knows? But but this is how great careers start nights like these. You get a win. You don't get a win. Jazz did everything good against the Memphis Grizzlies. They played top-notch defense. And yet, the Grizzlies had 129 points. Yep. That's because Jamarant had 40-some. 47, was it, that he finished with? 47, 47
0: points. 47
1: and 7 assists spectacular assists too none of them came easy and like this was the height of innovation on offense for uh, Jamoran to get any of those assists so if he can do that against a defense this good there's going to be nights when the defense is not that good there there are going to be teams where the defense is not that good Um, he set up really nicely to carry the franchise
0: Absolutely. Doesn't look like his first season in the playoffs. Yeah. His three biggest games probably. The play-in against the Warriors, he scored 26. The first, gig- first game against the Jazz, he scored 34 and now 47. He's getting better and better.
1: He was pretty good wow. last season too. It took Dame Lillard at his yeah. best to knock them out in the in the play-in. Yeah. So.
0: yeah absolutely so that was a jazz uh much much needed win because if they went tunnel down against the, Grizz, uh, against the grizzlies and they had to travel to memphis well that would have been a tough ask but one one i think uh the jazz still yep. start off as favorites when they travel to memphis big games coming up tomorrow lakers taking on phoenix part three uh backing the lakers again at the staples you got to expect them to yeah. win because you are playing in front of crowds after a long long time uh, in a playoff game, I think the Lakers should win this one pretty comfortably. But yeah, I think I'm think more on interested in Game 4 where Phoenix will be more prepared, I would say.
1: Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think I, I, what I, they should put on a show. It's been ages uh, since they had fans in the... Uh, I'm hoping not just for a win, but for Showtime Lakers to, to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. I think these players are just too good to... And they've been longing for so long to perform in front of the home crowd uh hope it doesn't get to them the occasion doesn't look like it will <laughs> but uh i think the lakers should pick up a win easy on this one um uh, game 4 you're right is going to be interesting because that's that's the tipping point if the lakers get that right. it, it's too it's an uphill yeah then it's over of, yeah, yeah it's over um also i think it'll be interesting hopefully chris paul's fit but if he's 50/50 or if there's risk of aggravating that injury mm-hmm. um uh, it seems counterproductive, but the wise thing would be to sit him out or, or restrict him to one game. I, I can't see a way where he's restricted because it's his uh, leading arm, it's his strong arm that's uh, that's right. giving him trouble. So that's, that's pretty much a debilitated player if they put him on. So maybe it would be wiser to, to sit him out of one game. Uh, lose the game, not going to be easy, but then at least you have a fighting chance in the rest of the series. Uh, rather than play him half-fit where he's not going to be effective anywhere. And then even worse, if you if you, you know, aggravate that injury, then he's yep. out for the series. So tough decision for them. Sad that um, yeah they got this far, and then um, he he has to miss minutes. But uh, if Cameron Payne can play anything like he did in that uh, oh wow, <laughs> I was a, a fan. Series. I was a fan from yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from the time I watched that game. So, so let's see if it's beginner's luck flash in the pan, or if he can if he can keep that up. But that was interesting. Um, I, I expect the Lakers to win uh, comfortably tomorrow. Game four, I think, is the real one to watch out for. But who knows? This Suns team, man, every every night they surprise us. So, let's see.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. In other games, uh, Milwaukee travel to Miami. That's going to be yeah. a fun. Milwaukee will be looking to just close out the series yeah. as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, Denver and Portland, they're, one... they're tied at 1-1. So, that's going to be a fun game. Uh, Denver travel to Portland now. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, your pick for
1: that game? I'm sticking with Denver throughout the series. I was surprised that Portland mm-hmm. routed them like that in game one. Uh, again, no defense on either side. So, <laughs> the only thing about Portland is they have uh, they have one guy who, who once he starts getting hot, it's gonna be yeah. really difficult. They somehow pulled out the win anyway in game two, but if he gets even a modicum of support from CJ or or Powell and he gets hot, it's over. So uh, they always have that edge. Um, when their three shooting gets going, they're hard to stop. Portland, but other than yeah. that, there's really no other way they can uh, beat the Nuggets.
0: I agree. I mean, I think Jokic uh, was silent in this first game. Then he showed how he could yeah. perform in the second game. And then I think his streak will carry on uh, as he approaches that MVP award soon. Yeah, I
1: think he should be less of a playmate. Right now, uh, his first priority should be Jokic, the scorer. Uh, and then he can look to facilitate, bring others into the game and all that. But But he's got to start aggressively just like he did in game two. Yeah. They can't contain him. They simply can't contain him. So him being the scorer is what's best for the team and as the game progresses then you can kind of take a step back once you see the court uh, a, a lot clearer and start running plays much like LeBron in LA LeBron the playmaker exclusively just doesn't work against this Phoenix team it has to be LeBron the scorer uh, and supplementing that with, with his playmaking at times
0: absolutely so lot to, lots to look forward to tomorrow yeah. uh, but that's all the time we have for today I will catch up tomorrow yes see you <laughs>